Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here and we pray you get something powerful from this sermon. It's two. Well, who is the least favourite parent in their relationship? Put your hand up. Oh, there's a lot of both people not putting their hand up. And I don't know if it's like you don't want to acknowledge that you're more loved than the other But I'm going to be completely honest, and most people probably know this, I am not the favourite. And I'm okay with that. Josh is absolutely the favourite. If dad is home, the children are with Josh, which is great for me because it gives me some time sometimes. But it's so interesting. You know, Josh gets up early for work, so he's not there in the morning. He's gone. So I'm with the girls most of the time. And then the moment that he gets home, they're like rushing out the door, Daddy! And they're so excited to see him. And I'm just sitting back like, who fed you today? Who, who took you to the park today? Who gave you ice cream today? And yet Daddy just continues to be the most favourite. 7 p.m. for me is mummy checkout time. The kids have to be in bed before 7 because at 7.01, I'm out. I'm like, Josh, they're your problem if they're still awake. Or like, if he's not home, the, the elevation of the mood in the house changes it's like going from, okay, girls, come on, it's bedtime to get in bed. Something shifts in me at seven o'clock. Now, when Josh and I are both home, the bedtime routine for me is five minutes. They've already showered. They have to brush their teeth, get in bed, I pray, and then I'm out. If Josh is doing the bedtime routine, it's endless. It's like, all right, girls, let's go and brush our teeth and I don't know, but I think brushing your teeth takes a total of like one minute, not five. And then the bedtime, like actually getting into bed, the prayer time, the the conversation is literally endless. It just depends on his mood or the girl's mood for that day. You know, Alex is five. She's starting school this week, which is a big milestone in our family. But she is full of world the world's questions and like... Mummy, when God was a baby, how did he grow up and make the world? And I'm like, what? (laughs) Well, like, mum, like how, like when in the olden days, this is her thing, in the olden days when you were a little girl, and I'm like, no, the olden days are like when nanny was a little girl. (laughs) Those are the olden days. But I, I, after seven o'clock, I don't have the capacity. But Josh, bless his heart, sits on the bed. Let's talk about all the big questions, Alex. Let's do it. And sometimes like I'm sitting for half an hour and I'm like, I might as well just watch an episode of my favourite TV show while he's busy with Alex. You know, the thing is, right, I actually really love that they have that relationship with their dad and that their dad cares so much for them that he would take all the time in the world to just spend chatting with them and to have those conversations. 
And they look to Him. It doesn't matter what um, emotions they carry in the moment. It doesn't matter if they have done something wrong. They will run to the loving arms of their dad. And He will comfort them. And He will talk to them. And He will guide them through each step. Now, I do do some of that. Hear me. (laughs) I'm not completely, you know, negligent. I do some of that. But He just does it so well. And he does it so gracefully. And when I truly think about the meaning of worship, which means to give someone or something the, the utmost adoration, the highest praise, I believe right now that our girls actually worship their dad. They sit with him at his feet and they listen to him. And I love it because they'll say, Daddy... What factory were you at today? I'm like, I don't even ask him those questions. Like, were you at the like steel thing or were you at the bakery one? Or And I'm like, oh my gosh, they really take in everything and they want to have a conversation with him. You know, in the English language, we sort of have one word for worship and that is worship. But in the Hebrew and the Greek, there are many translations of worship that mean many different things. Some mean to jump for joy. Some mean to literally lay down at the altar. Some mean to lift or raise your hands. Some mean to just sit quietly. There are so many versions or words for worship and we have the one, worship. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I've forgotten that worship encompasses so much more than just singing a song. It's easy to to get caught up in, well, I've just had a time of worship when in actual fact, throughout my entire day, I've had many moments where I could choose to worship God in all that I'm doing. I felt as I was praying that what I wanted to talk about today, I said, God, like what is an illustration of worship that you want me to bring today? And I believe that he wants me to talk about the sinful woman who comes and washes Jesus's feet. You can find it in Luke chapter seven, verse 36. I'm not gonna read it word for word today, But essentially, Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's home, Simon. And for those that are unsure, a Pharisee is a religious leader, someone who follows religiously the things that they need to do. Now, if you actually flick to Matthew, I'm just going to grab it, Matthew 23, verse 27. in, In actual fact, the whole of Matthew 23 is the seven woes to the religious leaders or to the Pharisees. Verse 27, it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So Jesus is invited to Simon's home, a Pharisee. 
Now it's customary that when you go into someone's home, that you would either be anointed with oil, you would be greeted with a kiss and you would be offered a bucket of water or they, if you are important enough, would actually wash your feet for you. You know, he's going to eat a meal. They're sitting on the ground and his feet are pushed to the side and his feet are near the food. So you can imagine why you'd probably want to wash your feet. And so Simon invites Jesus to his home and yet he does not offer a kiss as he greets him. He does not anoint him with oil. He doesn't even offer him water to wash his feet. You know, it says that a woman found out that Jesus was at this Pharisee's home. In fact, it actually refers to her either as a sinful woman or a woman well known for what she has done. She hears that Jesus is, is, Jesus is at Simon's home and she's overcome with emotion. She's overcome with an urge to go to Jesus. If we stop and think for a moment, this is a sinful woman, a woman well known in this town for doing stuff that is not looked upon as a good thing. She's looked upon as lowly. She's looked upon as as maybe off-putting or yuck, she's done wrong things. And yet she hears that Jesus is in a Pharisee's home. Remember, a Pharisee is looked upon to be someone maybe of righteousness, someone who is religious. In this moment, this woman has an opportunity to make a decision. Am I going to go and greet Jesus and wash His feet as I feel so urged to? Or will I stand back in my shame and my embarrassment? Will I hold back due to my feelings of what those Pharisees may believe or think of me and therefore not go and see Jesus? She had a choice. We all have choices. And yet in that moment, she must have been overcome with emotion because it talks that she was weeping. And she comes to Jesus in Simon's home. And it actually says, let me get the exact word for you. I was reading it again and it stood out to me. It says... A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume as she stood behind him. As she stood behind him, she comes behind him, she kneels down and with her tears, she begins to wash the feet of Jesus. Then she gets her hair and she begins to dry his feet. And then she has this expensive bottle of perfume and she begins washing and anointing his feet with this perfume. A sinful woman comes and washes the feet of Jesus, kisses His feet repeatedly, anoints His feet with oil, and yet the Pharisee didn't do one of those things. In that moment, 
She did not allow her status. She did not allow her situations. She did not allow her emotions. She did not allow her feelings to hold her back from going into that person's home and laying at the feet of Jesus. I'm not sure about you, but that takes guts. That takes grit. That takes the laying down of yourself, a pushing aside of your emotions about who you are and what you are worthy of. And instead, for a minute, she had a glimpse of what Jesus believed her to be. She had a glimpse of what her Creator created her to be and she acted in that moment. She walked, maybe ran to this house of Simon. She lays at the ground and she begins to weep, washing the feet of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever wept before, but it's like this constant dripping of tears coming from your eyes. Maybe sometimes you've had it to the point where your eyes begin to sting because you just can't stop. I think she's so overcome with a love of God for her that she's just sitting at His feet and it's like this releasing of shame releasing of embarrassment, releasing of inadequacies and a fulfilling of love, of grace. You know, Simon thinks to himself, he doesn't say out loud, but he thinks to himself, what on earth is Jesus doing allowing this sinful woman to touch him? And I love Jesus' response. Although Simon said it in his head, Jesus confronts him and he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Have you ever been thinking something before and then it's like someone's read your mind and they're like, Brit? And you're like, oh, you know what I'm thinking, don't you? I think in that moment, Simon's like, oh, he knows more than I think he knows He didn't greet Jesus with a kiss. He didn't anoint him with oil. He didn't wash his feet, which sort of tells me that he doesn't think that highly of Jesus. Because if you're going to invite somebody that you think is worthy of praise, worthy of honour, worthy of glory into your home, I think you're going to do everything you possibly can to greet them with the utmost respect and honour. And yet Simon doesn't do that. Jesus says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forget, forgiven You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your home and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, 
But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven, little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It was a faith step for her to kneel at the feet of Jesus despite her feelings and begin washing his feet. You know, she must have seen that Simon did none of these things to him and she knew that Jesus deserved more. It's believed that perhaps she had been following Jesus because she understood the power that he had. Maybe she had witnessed some of the miracles that he had performed. Maybe she just had a gut feeling where she was like, I think there is something more to this guy. So if that means I need to lay down my life to to just see if it works, then I am willing to do it. I don't know about you, but for me, that is an act of worship. When someone pushes past their comfort zone and says, God, this is awkward, but I'll do it anyway. God, this is hard, but I'll do it anyway. In actual fact, God, I think I may lose some friendships or some relationships from this action that I will perform, but God, I will do it anyway. You know, Mason spoke last week about hearing God and if it's God, then you do it. I believe this woman, her God, she knew that there was something more powerful to Jesus than what the Pharisees believed And I, every single day of my life, would much prefer to be her than Simon the Pharisee, who had an opportunity to meet with Jesus, but didn't grasp the power that he held, that missed out on an opportunity to wash the feet of the Most High, who missed out on anointing the Saviour of the world, who missed out on greeting the King of all kings. Someone who you would have thought should probably know these things and yet he didn't. And yet a woman, well known to the area for all the wrong reasons, was willing to push past everything else to lay at Jesus' feet. When I am in need of a word from God, I really quickly turn to this because there are so many examples of how we ought to live within these words. 
I just want to really quickly read through some scriptures from the Word about worship. Let's read them together. I've popped them up here because it's much easier for me to read them. But it says, Romans 15 verse 6, Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Much like what we did today. Psalm 63 verse 1, O God, You are my God. I earnestly search for You. My soul thirsts for You. Uh, Psalm 63 verse 1, My whole body longs for You in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Psalms 29 verse 2, Honour the Lord for the glory of His name. Worship the Lord in the splendour of His holiness. Psalms 100 verse 3, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. This is telling me that I am to worship my God. Now, In the English translation, we somehow believe that maybe sometimes worship is pigeonholed to this one area of our life. But if we look at the Hebrew and Greek meanings, it means many things. So maybe in some situations, it is lifting our hands in praise and honour to Him. Maybe sometimes it is retreating to a quiet space to just allow God to talk to you. Maybe sometimes like that sinful woman, it's laying at the feet of of Jesus weeping and washing his feet. There is no one way that you as a Christian can worship Christ. There are many ways and there are many opportunities in your day-to-day life where we can continue to worship God. You're at work and maybe your boss is, is being challenging and hard, but you know what? We don't serve just them, but we serve the Most High. So although it is hard and it is challenging, I will push through in hope and faith that my God hears the cries of my heart. Maybe He provides an out for you. Maybe He brings a reconciliation, but can I encourage you, never stop worshipping Him. Keep pushing through because He hears you and He sees you and He created you and He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He doesn't need us to worship Him. He wants us to worship Him. He wants a relationship with you. You know, before I talked about how the girls worship their dad. And it is beautiful because no matter what they do, they just want to be wrapped in his loving arms. But can I tell you, Josh and I pray. We pray for our girls all the time. And our prayer is, God, would you help us to teach them about you? Would you help us to tell them about who you are and how much you love them? Would you help us to remind them that they are your creation, that you have a plan and a purpose for their life? And although mum and dad are great, we are nothing compared to the love of the Saviour. We are nothing. My heart and my cry for my girls is that they would grow knowing that they were created 
to bring the highest praise, the deepest adoration to their King. It's easy to allow our feelings and our emotions to stop us from entering a place of worship with God. But if I've learned anything from this woman, it's not worth allowing my feelings to stop me from worshipping Him. It's not worth my situation to stop me from worshipping God. He said to her, your faith has saved you. Her willingness to lay at the feet of Jesus has saved him. Shan, if you want to come up, that would be great. You know, when we pray for our daughters, our heart is that they would know that first and foremost, the single greatest act of worship was made by Jesus. You know, before Jesus went to the cross as he was praying in the garden, he goes off on his own. And I, I really love this scripture because for me, it puts into perspective just how human Jesus was when he walked this earth. And I can only imagine his his kneeling and perhaps his weeping. And he says to God, God, if you can take this cup of suffering from me, if you can take it away, would you? But he says, God, not my will but yours. The most profound act of worship, I believe, was when Jesus had every feeling, natural human feeling to to not want to go through with the, the pain that He knew He was about to feel the ridicule that he was about to face. And he's like, God, if you can take it from me, would you? Thank goodness he didn't stop there. But he said, but God, your will be done, not mine. I don't know everyone's stories in this place. I don't know what situation you find yourself in. I don't know what feelings and emotions you are in and feeling right now. But I wonder if you have a moment with Jesus and you cry out to Him with your need, but then you finish that with God, but not my will, but yours. I wonder how our perspective would change. 
It doesn't necessarily always change the situation. It doesn't necessarily remove those feelings that you may be feeling, but it puts you out of a place of having to make a a definite decision. And instead it, it, it points you to Jesus or it points you to God and it says, but God, not your will, not my will, but yours be done. Would you just stand with me for a minute? Worship. Worship is is so much more than I think we can even imagine. Worship is is a it's a heart posture. It, it's it's that statement of God, not my will but yours be done. Lord, if it makes me uncomfortable, that's okay because not my will, but Yours be done. God, if I have to step out in faith and that scares me, that's okay. Not my will, Lord, but Yours be done. God, if You see that this relationship is toxic and You're telling me to take a step back, that's gonna hurt God, but not my will, Yours be done. As we live our life, in worship to God as we live our life according to His plan and purpose for us. There's a shift in our mindset of God, not my will, but Yours be done. God is a good God. And He loves every single one of us more than we could ever possibly imagine, more than you will ever be able to grasp. He loves you, He adores you, He created you. And He just wants us to worship Him. I love corporate worship. I love coming to church on a Sunday morning with a group of like-minded people that just want to worship God. Something shifts in the atmosphere. Something changes within our hearts. There's this stirring, this camaraderie that we're all here for the same purpose. And that purpose is to bring glory and honour to our Saviour. I will never forsake that. Because faith stirs faith, courage stirs courage, boldness encourages boldness. But I actually want to challenge us this morning. Maybe you come and this part of the service is just like, just waiting for it to sort of end. I don't really like that song. The Hebrew and Greek words give us many, many ways that we can bring an act of worship to our God. And ultimately, the true act of worship is when our hearts turn from our will and instead they turn to His. I don't know where you're at this morning. 
But can I just ask every eye to be closed in this place for a minute? Maybe you are here today and you've never had a real encounter with God. Maybe you don't even truly understand who this God is or this Jesus that we're talking about. But can I tell you that my life has not just been transformed once or twice, but it is daily, daily transforming to be in line with Him. And this morning, if you are wondering about this Jesus, if you wanna hear more about Him, if you actually wanna say this morning, I think God, I am actually ready to turn my heart towards You. Maybe you've been on the journey for some time. Maybe you've been in relationship with Jesus, but for some reason, situations and circumstances have have turned you away. This morning, I actually wanna create an opportunity for you to say, God, I wanna worship You. I wanna invite You to live within me. I wanna be in relationship with You. This morning, I wanna commit, God, that it's not my will be done, but God, it is Yours. This morning, if you wanna make a decision to follow Jesus, would you lift your hand this morning? No one is looking. No one is checking to see if you're doing it, but this morning, it's about something between you and God. And maybe this morning you're feeling a little press on your heart today to say, God, I just want, I want to be in relationship with You. I can't keep going. God, I want to be with You. God, You are, You are incredible. And Lord, this morning as as we've spoken about worshipping You, as we've spoken about ways that we can worship You, God, would we be reminded in every moment of every day that we can bring worship to You. And God, if we are facing situations, if we are feeling things that are not of You, God, I pray this morning that You would would shift something within our mindsets to acknowledge that You, God, Your will be done. Lord, I thank You for every single person in this place. I thank You that You created everyone, that You love everyone, that You are for everyone. And this morning, regardless of who we are, whether we are Simon the Pharisee, Lord, or whether we are the sinful woman, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, God, I pray that we would never lose the tiredness, God, that we would never be too tired to just lay at Your feet. God, to have a moment surrendered to You. God, we love You. We thank You for who You are. And Lord, we pray that we would be reminded this week to bring worship to You. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we just sing for a moment? 
Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including service times and our live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.